being a nimble, smaller business was probably better in a lot of ways than being a giant business whose business model was set up to do this thing and this thing only for years, and then this thing was taken away from you. Now you're like, oh crap, what do we do? These things aren't gonna stop half. They might not be as massive as a global pandemic. There's always gonna be things thrown your way. There's always gonna be problems to overcome. We're never gonna be able to avoid that. So learning how to adapt and adjust to those problems is really the skill outside of communication, right? That people need to learn if they're going to effectively be able to turn their story around and not get caught in that messy middle and never be able to dig out of it. Welcome to season five of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Event Marketing Partners and Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Gretemann Group and Xstand. This show is for all levels of experience talking marketing and business with the best guests in the industry. It's important to keep up on the latest trends and topics and this is just the spot. Two guarantees, you will learn and laugh. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 101 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers. The show is made possible by my company, Powers Marketing. We focus on strategic content creation, including podcast and event production, hosting, and MCing. And I'm so proud of myself because usually on live shows, I forget to say my name. <laughs> welcome to my guest today, Rain Bennett. How are you? I'm doing well. Never, never forget your name. Well, it's funny because as I said that, I was looking. It, normally, our names are displaying, but they're not displaying. So well, we'll, we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, it's always an adventure. My co-host, Jen Cole, is in the audience. Welcome, Jen. Happy Tuesday to you. Hey, Thanks Jen. Uh-huh. Have you two met? Oh, just, I think, on the Twitterverse. Yeah. <laughs> on the Twitter. I like to say it like that, too. All right. I'm going to read. For those who don't know Rain, I'm going to read your bio. Rain Bennett is a two-time Emmy-nominated filmmaker, writer, keynote speaker, and storytelling coach with over 15 years of experience producing documentary films. With his company, Six Second Stories, he helps purpose-driven companies and organizations create short-form, heartfelt video stories to motivate their audiences to take action. His films and articles have been seen around the world, and he hosts a weekly podcast called The Storytelling Lab. His mission is simple, to teach people how to leverage storytelling to grow their communities, deepen their connections, and maximize their impact in minimal time. Now, I would have loved to have you on to talk about storytelling, especially six seconds. Yo, and I'll make sure to include I'll include a link to your book too okay. in the show notes. But we just had two guests on that talked about storytelling. And I know like no one has a, no one's cornered the market on how to do it or, or what it's all about. But I thought you have so much to share that would be interesting to t- like maybe talk about something a little bit different today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will say like, just like, I mean, just like stories, all of us are different and therefore our approach to whatever we do is different, including storytelling. And so I talked to a lot of storytelling experts and part of what my work is about is finding what your unique perspective is on the work that you do, what that is, and then who would benefit from it the most so that you have a clear language 
playing where you don't have competition. So none of the people that I have on my show that are keynote speakers, storytelling coaches, like exactly the same things that I do are competitors because we come from different backgrounds. Like I come from a documentary filmmaking perspective. They may come from, you know, working on the marketing team at Google or something like that. And so we, we land on the same thing, stories, but from different perspectives. And the point is to find the people who would benefit most from my perspective. And they, I hope, find the people that would benefit most from their perspective. We can be in a position where we don't really have competition. And I think a lot of the stuff that we'll talk about today is in that realm of like clearly understanding what you do differently than someone else so that you can kind of, you know, fail proof, foolproof, you know, your mission and be able to adapt and adjust along the way, turn your story around, if you will. For sure. So yeah, so on that, we're going to talk about how to turn your tragic flaw into your superpower. Now, anyone who's been listening to this show for a while might remember that we actually used to ask our guests as a last question, if they could have a superpower in their job, what would it be? So I am going to put that to you before we dig into it. If you could have a superpower in your job, what would it be? Me? Yeah. I try to live my superpower. My superpower is connecting people most often, but really starting to to connect the dots. And that is through communication. So I think the number one human skill that you can have undoubtedly is communication because it makes all the other skills that you may possess even better. And the way we communicate as humans is, spoiler alert, stories. So I would never state that I can't constantly get better and I'm on a quest to do so, but I don't want to, I don't need to know how to fly, right? I need to understand how to clearly communicate my message to, to my people. If I'm what I want to do in life, my goal is to live my passion, do what I want to do for a living, and which is not always easy, right? Like I build a business around who I am as a person. Like I made a business out of that and I want to be able to do right. that. But in order to do that consistently for the long term, like I have to have a very clear line on who I help the most and how and why, and then be able to communicate that efficiently and effectively. That's the superpower I'm after. And it's honestly the superpower I think most people should be after instead of something like, if you ask most people that question, they're going to want like super strength or the ability to fly. I want want to fly. Make no mistake. I I don't know what you're going to do This is a hypothetical. This is a hypothetical. What are you going to do if you can fly? I'm not going to have to sit in traffic. Okay. You got that. (laughs) And then what? You'll be flying around. This wasn't a literal, you took it too literally. Listen, I'm in the real (laughs) world, Megan. (laughs) All right, fair. Okay, on that. And I got my master's in communication. So this is also a passion. Yeah, you get it. And let's be honest, it's poor communication is like the reason for almost all conflicts between people, between countries, between, you know, between everything. We communicate well. A task that you want someone working for you to do, for example communicate that well and let them know what you want the outcome to be. What are we going to accomplish by doing this task? And you're going to get better results, right? Absolutely. And you know what? To that point, so it's also the most neglected. Like you said, you know, if you're asking somebody to do something for you, if that person messes that up, for lack of a better expression, yeah. so often our knee-jerk response is to look at like what they did wrong and very seldomly, I think, do we say like, hmm, did I miscommunicate something? Like, how could I have been more clearer? Because that's, I think, where we struggle too, is it's communication, like storytelling, is a two-way street. It takes two to tango. So it's not just that you didn't get what I'm saying. Like, we have to really stop and ask ourselves like, yeah, but did that only make sense in my head? And I'm expecting them to understand what's in my head? Or was I as clear as I thought that I was? And I'll add one more thing on too about conflicts that arise. Also, internal conflict. 
conflicts. I think communication is also the source of that. Our conversations with ourselves are also incredibly lacking at times. Yeah, that's fair. For sure. Yeah. And we all need to show ourselves some grace, but it is definitely worth looking inward. (laughs) I mean, that's where everything starts. That's where everything starts. You can't do anything outwardly until you until you have the inward, you know, ready and settled. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, too, people get caught up in like stress of the moment and we got to get this right away. And then um, that things can start to break down in, in that way. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about turning a tragic flaw into a superpower. And that might be someone's tragic flaw, right? Like just asking for things without giving good direction or or, or whatever. So what, what's this all about? So, I mean, this is actually a, a speech and a course that I've been giving a lot over the uh, the past couple of years. And, and surprisingly, it became an official real estate continuing education course in Tennessee, which was, I was excited that realtors wanted to learn about this sort of stuff and not just like contract law. And I had to understand too, that tragic flaw, that term is a storytelling or a, a writing term. So not everyone knows what that means. So very briefly, I'll just like explain what that is. And that's just that any, every hero or most heroes have something that holds them back. And it originates from Achilles, the story of Achilles, whose mother dipped him in the river Styx, held him by the, the heels, and everything above the heels basically was impenetrable, invincible, but that was his tragic flaw, his Achilles heel, as you, as you heard, and the only one place that he could be he was vulnerable. And of course, that's the place that, you know, where he got hurt. And so we all have these, you know, any movie that you see, there is something holding the hero back and them getting over that thing is generally what helps them overcome the obstacle. So we all have these flaws, perceived flaws most often, or real things that we're dealing with and struggling with. And if we're not careful, we'll let the stress of those things or the limits and the compartments that we put them in, like I am just this, right? We'll let them hold us down forever. We'll never be able to accomplish what we want to accomplish. But if you can look at that and reframe that limiting belief and look at the opportunity that lies within that flaw, there's a lot of ways that you can leverage that to turn that obstacle into an opportunity. And this is really hard to do when the stuff hits the fan and you're in stress mode. Like it's really hard to calm down and look at things objectively and be like, hmm, what's the lesson here, right? And I get that. But there's a path that we can take to get there and there's steps that we can actionably take to to achieve that. And it's just, it's been done time and time again where people can take this thing that holds them back, rearrange their approach to their work and then not just like make it out, but massively benefit from that new perspective because they're not trying to fit in some mold that just wasn't made for them in their situation. So what are some steps that you would recommend? Well, the first step I think is to one, you, you just got to keep keep going, right? This is on the top of everyone's minds because like, let's call it the elephant in the room, not elephant in the room, but the obvious statement, like we've all been traumatized over the past two years with the pandemic. So everybody's suffering, right? Collectively. And lots of people's businesses have been negatively impacted in a major, major way. So when that happens, often we just want to, we just want to give up. We're just going to run in the, and hide in the corner and cry, blame it on something else and just, you know, just complain about it. And so the first thing that we have to do is like, keep going and just do something. Don't just give up. Understand that your story's not over. You're just in the middle part of the story, which is the tough part, the messy middle, the dark forest of the fairy tale, right? And that's not how your story's going to end, which is how we often, often think of it. However, if you just can picture yourself in a pit, right? 
And when you're in a pit and you're digging, trying to get yourself out of that, like, and you're just working frantically, what are you doing? You're digging yourself deeper into that pit. You don't see that because you're like blindsided. And you're just like, I gotta get it. I gotta get out of here. So you're digging, 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 digging. And meanwhile, you're just getting deeper, deeper, deeper. So you have to kind of pause that and not just, you can't just work your way out of it and stop and look at things objectively and do something different. Like that's so simple. Most of these steps are so simple, but just you have to change what you're doing. A lot of times we dig our heels in. We won't change because this is how we've always done things. And if we work hard enough, we'll work through it. And almost always, that's not the truth. So the very first thing is just stop Uh doing what you're doing and do something differently, which again, sounds so crazy easy, right? But most of these things always are. They're just so simple and so right in front of our face that we look past them because we expect it to have to be this like super hard thing to get out. It's like, just stop doing what you're doing and maybe think about like, what if you did it this way? (laughs) But again, people are naturally like, they kind of reject that thing. Like, well, no, this is the way you do it. Well, that's not working out for you, buddy. (laughs) Right. Very good. Yeah. I think we all, that's great advice for everyone, like in every part of life, just take a beat, maybe rethink how to approach versus plowing straight ahead. Oh, definitely. And then you get to the point where you said rethink, and this makes me think of a reframing exercise that I use with people. And it's simply like, and I did this exercise myself when I was really in what I call the pit five years ago or so, just a two column, you know, line down the middle of a piece of paper. And on one side, like a limiting belief and just let them all flow, (laughs) like all the limiting beliefs that you have, the negative self-talk that you have. And on the right side, like a reframed thought of how can I switch, like flip the script and change my perspective on that and look at that differently. One of my favorite examples of this is I grew up in the 80s and 90s. So and I grew up an athlete. And so during that time, Mike Tyson was, you know, the the biggest name in in boxing and, and arguably in sports. We had Michael Jordan and Mike Tyson at the same time. So so Mike Tyson, who is still regarded as one of the, the all-time greats, never thought he would be one because he was way shorter than than anyone that he saw that was an all-time great. Like think Muhammad Ali, who I think was like 6'3", 6'4", something like that. Because you always hear about reach. Like, you know, long arms, tall boxers. He was like 5'10", maybe maybe 5'11", still very short compared to a lot of his competitors. So he thought that he would never be able to, to do any damage or get his jab to work because they're so much taller. He and his trainer, Customato, developed a style where he would actually stay in close, slipping the jabs, moving a lot, and learn how to throw his punches from extremely unique angles, like sometimes almost from the floor instead of standing upright trying to play on their you know level playing field. He'd get down here. Now, if he was way down here, also, those tall guys couldn't reach him a lot of times, and then he would come up with this like infamous uppercut that he had. And even though he had insane power... A lot of the times, the reason he knocked out his opponents was because he hit them with punches that that weren't seen because he was shooting from these unique angles. This became his signature style and why he's still regarded as, as one of the all-time greats. But it started from a tragic flaw, this thing that he thought that would forever hold him back from being a great. And all he did, he didn't change anything in his body. He didn't get taller. Right. He, he, he all he did was change the way he looked at it with the help, of course, of a mentor or a guide or a trainer in this case. Right. Coach. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To understand it like, no, you can't fight that orthodox style. Where you're standing upright and your hands are here. You got to stay low and stay moving in. So that's one of my favorite examples because it defined him. That style defined him. But his talk the whole time was I'm not going to be able to do it. 
I'm a shorter man. And I never understood, you know, why like society sometimes sees like there there are flaws, pros and cons to whatever like hands you are dealt. You just have to see them that way. Like when I see a super tall person, yeah, can they reach something like on the higher shelf than me? Sure. But are they faster than me? <laughs> Most likely not. If I'm playing <laughs> basketball with them, are they going to get the rebound that falls to the ground? Like I'll get it before it bounces back up high. You just got to play what hand you're dealt, but understand the leverage that your hand gives you. Like that's the biggest thing is we think we all have to have the same set of tools to be successful. And you absolutely don't. You just have to rethink the way you're using the tools that you have. I love that. Yeah. And I'm vertically challenged myself. (laughs) Right on. But it's funny too, because people will see me like doing things for myself and they're like, oh, I can help you. And I'm like, I got this. Like I live every day having to figure out how to get something down from somewhere high or how to put something up, you know, like all those things. So yeah, I've lived my life kind of like, you know. You see it with with organizations, you'll see it too. Like I'll give a classic example. This is, is, this will be very quick. All right. Big, massive organization versus like smaller organization. The smaller one can, you know, you would think they can't compete with the big one with all the money and all the team, et cetera, et cetera. But the small one is much more malleable and flexible and able to pivot on a dime. Like you can't right turn this big, massive ship, this cruise ship, but a 20 foot, you know, ski boat, you can zip all over the place, right? So it's just different things, understanding your goals and understanding the tools that you have and how to effectively use them. So in the pandemic, being a nimble, smaller business was probably better in a lot of ways than being a giant business whose business model was set up to do this thing and this thing only for years. And then this thing was taken away from you. Now you're like, oh crap, what what do we do? Whereas if you're an independent, you can be like, oh, well, you know, maybe we can think of something else that we can do. And you can make that decision today and, you know, take action on it tomorrow. Right. Yeah. I guess it depends on what industry you heard it too. Meetings yeah. and events and hospitality took the, like the biggest hits, I think. But yeah, I like that perspective. Well, I'll give you a quick example there. My brother was yeah. is a caterer and did 95% weddings, maybe 90%. So lost hundreds of thousands of dollars because all weddings ceased, right? And so they developed, uh, they started thinking like, well, what do we really do for people? We're not in the wedding industry. We're in the, you know, he did like gourmet comfort food, basically. His tagline is Carolina cuisine. We're in North Carolina, Carolina cuisine with a California twist. And so when we started thinking about what they really do, which is to provide healthy, but also really tasty comfort food, he figured out another way and started doing family dinners, right? And that was a lifeline that kept them going. Now that the weddings have come back, you've got the family dinners and the wedding, right? So it's a way to also kind of mitigate the, you know, those risks along the way, but still you can think about what you really do for people and then think of another creative way to deliver those results. You do, if you stay rigid, like we, are a wedding catering company, then yeah, you're dead in the water. But if you start understanding the thing that you really provide isn't wedding food, then you can adjust. Again, it's all mental. No, for sure. And I had a restaurant client at the time and they just, they didn't want to do takeout. They don't, you know, there are all these things I was trying to help them and they were, they were just not having it. And so, yeah, so I, I hear that. And I, And I know plenty of examples of it. Actually, in fact, my other podcast is called Trade Show Talk, y'all. So if you want to check it out, Trade Show Talk by TSNN is, is the sponsor or is the company that I'm doing it for. It's Women's History Month. This is actually International Women's Day. So happy International Women's Day. But they, both of them, I had them on. It's, you know, it's called Trade Show Talk. It's about the meetings and events industry. But they are two women who thrived in spite of COVID. And one of them, Jessica Shea, she did that. She She's like, we do these spectacular events that don't necessarily translate to Zoom, but 
we want to bring the fun in. And so she created this company called Cheers in a Box. And so now they are providing these gift boxes that can be shipped to people. And if they want, they can have an online experience with it. They can learn how to make cocktails or mm-hmm. how to design a grazing board or, or whatever, or do their favorite things. Anyway, she created this incredible business, which she wouldn't have done. Yeah. Had that's not incredible. had that. Model. See, I love that. Those stories to me are the most inspiring, right? Because this concept of, of overcoming obstacles and turning your story around, like obstacles are inherent to any, like you have to have them for there to be a story. So these things aren't going to stop happening. They might not be as massive as a global pandemic, but there's always going to be things thrown your way. There's always going to be problems to overcome. We're never going to be able to avoid that. So learning how to adapt and adjust to those problems is really the skill outside of communication, right? That people need to learn if they're going to effectively be able to turn their story around and not get caught in that that messy middle and never be able to dig out of. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about the six second story. Can you tell a story in six seconds? What's Yeah, you can't. You can. I mean, the goal of any story is to tell it efficiently, like as efficiently as possible to get to, you know, connecting people to do it in six seconds is really challenging. And so you have to reduce it down to, I mean, the bare bones of what a story is. And a story is simply before and after a transformation has to happen. So you don't have time for the messy middle, the act two. You just have to go from like, this is where I was, this thing happened, and now this is where I was. And the goal of that is when I was looking at the space, you know, six second ads started becoming really popular, YouTube bumper ads. Now six seconds is an ad format on like primetime television as well, but especially we see it online. And it's easy to do something visual, flashy in six seconds. It's easy to make people laugh, to make a little joke, like think Vine, right, in six seconds. It's very, very challenging to connect with, which is what I do in my storytelling and filmmaking. This, you know, stories that I tell are always like heartfelt human stories. And the businesses that I work with have those types of stories to tell. It's hard to make someone like emotional or make someone cry in six seconds. Think of your favorite Super Bowl spots that do that. They're they're like long, you know, they're like a, a minute, a minute long. And so it's really challenging. But to, to do that, you have to under, really understand like what makes a story and how to do that very quickly when you don't have a lot of time. Now that we're all tasked with connecting with people with you know very limited time, and there's a quick misconception, people, there's this like stat about goldfish having an, a, you know, nine second attention span and ours are shorter than that at eight seconds or something like that. And I don't think that's exactly right. I don't think that it's that our attention spans are like shorter. I think that the demand for our attention is much greater and we can sniff out BS much faster. And so if I see something that I immediately don't resonate with, I'm done with it. I'm on to the next thing. Whereas 50 years ago, all I had was the brand new television, right? And and that's all I could watch. But now there's so much competition for my attention. I can skirt past it until I see that one thing that's like, hey, did you just lose your job as a restaurant worker? Here's something that you know helped us out. Now, if that was me and it resonated with me, I'm all ears because, yeah, I need help and I need to know the rest of that story. So you just have to catch them very quickly. You don't have any time to do it. And the way to do that is to connect with where they're struggling. Yeah, I think is the memory of a goldfish. And um, like Ted Lasso says, you know, Mm -hmm. be a goldfish. (laughs) Ted Lasso's. Did you watch Ted Lasso? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, be a goldfish. I love that saying. Like, in other words, sometimes though, like forget what the thing was and move on. Like, it's sometimes the remembering stuff isn't going to, isn't going to help you move forward. Right. Yeah. All right. So six seconds. Uh, t- so your book, <laughs> Jen. So also Jen said adaptation is a superpower, I would say for sure. Right. And then of course she said she loves Tesla. <laughs> Ted Lasso. Believe. All right. So your book, 
talk about your book and like, what are we going to get from this? So the book takes two things. The timeless tool that we've always had access to in terms of communication, which is storytelling. This is currently, the past few years, been like a marketing buzzword, but this is not something brand new. And to put it as simply as I possibly can, it is the way humans communicate. It's the way we've always communicated. We don't communicate through lists of data. We communicate through narratives. Our brains are designed to digest information that way. I don't need to go off into the weeds about the neuroscience behind it. You can look it up yourself, but it's proven. This is the way we've always communicated. Now, we have this massive tool that you and I are using right now, video, which I think it's like 85% of online traffic or something currently is, is video. And people will play video. The reason why it's so powerful is because person to person is always going to be the most powerful in making a human connection. The very next under it, because we still see each other's faces, is video. So you're marrying these two things storytelling and video. That's what I do. That's what I've made my career off of. However, I don't want to say almost everybody, but many, many people will look to the video aspect. What camera do I need? What apps do we need to be on? What mobile editing apps do I need that's going to make the best thing? Yada, 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 yada. Putting the cart before the horse, not knowing how to clearly communicate their messages. So my whole thesis, the whole philosophy of the work that I do and and on and of this book is that you have all the tools you need to start right now. Don't get analysis paralysis or shiny object syndrome. Start with what you have and cultivate the skill of storytelling to communicate your messages. Then if all you have is a smartphone, that's where you start. Once you get better, you add tools to the toolbox. But so many people look for the tool to make their job easier instead of of harnessing the skill that you can then apply to any tool that that you have. And that's so that's the order I put things in first, learning how to tell stories and then learning how to use video to do so in a powerful way in 2022. I love that. Yeah. Well, and start with why too. Like, why are you doing it? Yeah, big time. What are you trying to accomplish? And then, yeah, I think you're right. People don't, don't, they don't do that work first, which is, it's hard in a lot of ways, but it's simple because you should have the answers and it may take a little while to get to them. You may have to tap into here and here a little bit, but they're there. You don't have to go research anything for those answers, just yourself, which again, it's not always easy. And that's maybe why people are resistant to doing that and just looking for like, well, what's the thing I need to buy to do it? And it's like, your work is never going to be easy. Not if you're doing real, like real work. It may be fun and it may not feel like manual labor, but if you're doing good work, like it's, it's going to, it's going to be work. You're going to have to learn how to, how to cultivate a skill that takes time, that takes practice, that takes passion. Right. Right. And then I think understanding how to communicate, as we said, the very beginning of our conversation, (laughs) that is going to carry on over to any other skill that you then acquire. Yeah, for sure. I love that we came full circle on that. That's great. That's storytelling, right. baby. <laughs> That's right. All right. So um, I asked you, we, are, we love for our guests to share a book that they, a business book that they um, are into. So what's a business book that's not your own that our listeners should check so, out? So there's a long list, but I will say in the vein of what we've been talking about today, Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. This is all about the resistance, as he calls it, which is a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today is working through this imposter syndrome, any of these limiting beliefs that we talked about. Now, it's a play on words, right? We all know the art of war. 
and this is called right. The War of Art. Stephen Pressfield is a master of like both fiction and nonfiction, one of my favorite authors. And there's a lot in that realm that he writes, but that's one of his most well-known fiction books, The War of Art. And it's they're all short reads, but it'll change your perspective on the work that you do in the world. I promise you that. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. I love when it's a new one that I don't already have that I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And his writing style is really great. There's a lot of those short little books that that talk about this sort of things that, that he has. There's a whole series and they're they're all very effective. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks, Rain. I'm really happy yeah. that we can make this happen. We will include his book recommendations and a link to his book in the show notes, of course. And I'm really grateful that we could have you on. Thanks so much. I want to add something for for the listeners. If you do buy the book, yeah. just send me a like a receipt, show me, and I'll send you a, a free signed copy too, so that you can the one that you bought, you can give it to someone that you think would benefit from it, and then I'll just give you one signed from me for free if you do that. I love it. That's amazing. Thank you. And his Twitter is at Rain Bennett. Two N's, two T's. Two N's, two T's. I was uh, saying uh, earlier today. And my mom did did a really good job uh, naming me. There are not a lot of Rain Bennett's out there, folks. So if you are interested in connecting, I promise you, if you Google my name, you'll find me. Fantastic. And Jen said, such a great show today. Thanks, Jen, for being here. And thank you for everyone who watched us live, who watches the replay, who's listening on the podcast. We appreciate you. If you haven't yet, we would love it if you would rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice so that we get heard by more people. All right, friends, this has been episode 101 of the Making a Marketer podcast, and we will catch you next time.